Good morning, Campbell River Baptist Church, and welcome this morning. We're so excited that you can join us on this long weekend. Hopefully, you have been able to enjoy some time with your family already and that you get to enjoy some more this long weekend. Today, we also get the opportunity to celebrate communion together. So if you wanted to prepare some elements now and ahead of time uh, to enjoy those together uh, in community after the service today. Thank you so much, and we're looking forward to having you here for the rest of the service, and enjoy the rest of your day. Good morning, everyone. I'm, I'm Erwin Harder, and I'm here to read the scripture passage for the morning. Before I do so, though, I'd like to extend a special greeting to our seniors. It's been a difficult time for all of us, and, and our young at heart hasn't been able to meet since March. I have chatted with some of you, and, I'm, and you continue to encourage me with your steadfast faith. If any others would, would, would like to give me a call, please do so through the church office. I'd, I'd love to chat with you or pray with you on the phone or, or, or whatever. If things carry on as planned, we are looking to begin to meet with the young at heart in a limited way this fall. It will look a little bit different, but we will be able to do a limited face-to-face -face meeting. You can contact me for more, more details. I'll also be announcing more as time comes closer. In the meantime, to use the Apostle Paul's words, encourage each other and build each other up, just as in fact you are doing. And I'm encouraged by that. Now let's turn to our reading for this morning. Psalm 103, verses 1 to 5 says, Praise the Lord, my soul. All my inmost being praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. Leora here with two announcements for you. The first one is, I'm not Emma. Can you tell? <laughs> She's on holidays right now and as will Ryan be soon. We are so thankful that our staff are being able to take some time off this summer. It's been a super busy season. We've been doing a lot. We've been growing a lot and we've been changing a lot and we've been working hard. So really thankful for the staff that have already been able to take time off and those that ha are taking time off now. So just so you know, our office hours are a little bit skewy. Just give us a call or an email and we'll be able to help you out if you need anything. The second announcement is about small groups. Small groups are a vital part of our church right now. They always are, but in this season, they're even more so. What I wanna encourage you for is that I don't want you to wait until September to get interested in being in a small group. We need to get connected now. I want to be able to help you get connected into a small group before our rhythms start in September. Now your group might not start until September, but getting you in connected will be super helpful for me to know how many people, how many groups, and what types of things we need to get going for September. So if you are interested in being in a small group, please email me at smallgroups at crbaptist.bc.ca. Have a great week, everyone. Made me a part of his story. I 
Come the crafts. Serving others, yeah. And serving Jesus. Do we serve Jesus by serving others? And what is your favorite song? That's your favorite song?
Hi everyone, it has been such a fantastic five weeks with you. Thank you so much for all of you who have been watching along with us and learning all about serving Jesus. It has been so much fun. Thank you for all of your pictures, for your emails, for your comments. It's been a really good time having this opportunity to learn about serving Jesus together. And I have loved this. I, I can't even tell you what my favorite part is. I got to watch and go and make those videos for you guys about the songs. Oh, that, that was such a blast. I loved going and filming each of the storytellers and seeing their different creative ideas about how they were gonna tell about God's love to you guys. It was so amazing. I loved seeing all the crafts come in and getting to see a few of you as you picked up supplies over the last couple of weeks. It has just been such a joy to be a part of this together. Thank you to you parents for putting this on for your kids. Thank you kids for being so enthusiastic and enjoying our fun time together. Again, I look forward to seeing you. Hopefully maybe in September we can run an event together and we'll get to see each other in person. We'll see what God does. We'll see how everybody's doing and we will keep in touch. Thanks again, everybody. Have a great day. Bye. Hi, everybody. Ryan Davis here. This morning, I want to take a moment and I just want to say thank you. I want to thank you guys for the way that you have continued to connect with us here at the office, the encouragements you guys send us, the prayer requests you send us, and I also want to thank you for the way you continue to support financially. We really appreciate it. We're all in this together to support and to reach Campbell River with the gospel. So thank you guys. This morning, we're also going to be praying. We have several prayer requests that you guys have sent us or connected with us personally and asked us to pray for you for. We won't share your name, but know that we are praying for you, we're thinking about you. And for anybody out there who hasn't connected in in this way, we would love to hear how things are going and be able to pray for you. We're also going to be praising Backyards Kids Camp and everything God did through that, all the families that were reached, the connections that were made, and we're also going to be praying for our Young at Heart crew. So please join me this morning in prayer. Lord, thank you for today that we can join together in this way. Thank you, Lord, for the community in and around Canberra River Baptist Church, Lord, and how you are knitting us together in this time. Father, we want to take a moment and we just want to praise you for everything that you did through Backyards Kids Camp, Lord, for the connection between us and the church down in Nanaimo that we were able to work with, for Leora and the staff that she was able to work with down there, Lord, the ways that you have blessed them, and Father, for the families that were reached through this. Thank you, Lord, for all the kids that heard about your love for them, Lord, and the ways that they can reach out and, and serve and get connected and be a part of what you're doing in this great big world. And so, Jesus, just thank you so much for that. Thank you, Lord, for the Young at Heart group. Thank you, Lord, for how they are able to stay connected in this time. And Father, I just pray that as we move through the rest of summer and as we move towards September, Lord, you would continue to give them ways of encouraging each other, of reaching out, of finding ways that they can safely be a part of each other's lives and, and be a part of what you are calling them to do. So Jesus, we just lift them up to you. And Father, we also want to take a moment and we want to pray for those in our, our family here at CRBC who are not doing well, who are struggling with some physical ailments. Lord, you are the great physician. You are the healer. And so Jesus, we just want to lift them up. We ask, Lord, that you would be their comfort today and moving forward. We ask, Lord, that you would heal their bodies, that you would have your hand on them. And Father, we just ask that you would encourage them, that they would know, Lord, that whatever happens, you have a plan for this time. You have a plan for what's going on right now in their lives. And I pray, Lord, that you would just strengthen them in that. So Jesus, we just thank you so much for every one of them. And we do pray, Lord, again, that you would heal them. And so, 
Father, we lift that up to you. We lift up this morning. Please, Lord, bless this message to our hearts, Lord. Help us to hear directly from you. And please, Lord, bless Pastor Dwight as he brings this message to us. In your name we pray. Amen. We live in a culture that's always looking for a quick fix. We want our hamburgers and our pizzas now. How quick can you get it here? Why is it taking so long? And then talk about pain. We don't want pain. We want it, fix it fast. If I got a headache, I look for a pill. Backaches, muscle pain, surgery, fix it fast. We're tempted to jump into the latest get rich quick scheme. We look for financial miracles. We want the latest diet pill. We need a weight loss miracle. God, please send us a miracle. Fix it for us and fix it really, really, really quick. Welcome to those of you watching from Campbell River and a special welcome to those who are watching from other places. Pastor Dwight here again this morning with number two in our series of talks called Miracles. Today, we have a story about a guy who was searching for a miracle for over 38 years. It comes from John chapter 5, so that's where we're going to be reading this morning and we're going to start at uh, verse 1 and we'll read from the New International Version. Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for a feast of the Jews. Now there was in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. Now the word Bethesda means house of mercy. Beth is house and Esda is mercy. And it really consists of two pools. Archaeology has found this pool and the evidence shows that the southern basin, the lower pool, was, uh, had broad steps with landings, indicating that it was actually a mikvah. Now a mikvah is a Jewish ritual bath for cleansing from uncleanness. In the Old Testament, many times there are ways that you would be uh, ritually, uh, ceremonially unclean. And so to be cleansed from that, or at the end of a cleansing period, uh, say you touched a dead body, it might be seven days before you would be allowed to go into the temple again. And when you were finished the seven days, you would go through a mikvah. Now in a mikvah, it, it's a body of water, enough that you could be completely immersed. The uh, oral tradition actually says that a mikvah has to be able to hold at least 144 eggs. So you have to be at least a 144 egg person. That could be actually quite small, but uh, that, that is the legal requirement for it. It also needs to be living water. It can't just be a barrel of water. It has to have an inlet and an outlet. It has to have a stream of something, some moving water in it so that it's called living water. It can't be a cistern or a standing water, stagnant water. And if you're thinking, Gee, that sounds a lot like baptism. Yes, the mikvah is the precursor to our baptismal tanks within churches. John the Baptist used the Jordan River. It had full immersion and it was living water. So you really can call him John the mikvah guy. LOL in the comments if you actually thought that was funny. So we have Bethesda with two pools, the northern basin seems to have provided a reservoir for the southern basin. 
and it would continually replenish and repurify the mikvah with fresh water flowing south through the dam. Now, Jewish pilgrims would flock to the Bethesda pool to purify themselves in these public mikvot so that they could enter the temple. And at times, they would also use the mikvah to seek healing. Bethesda had five big porches that were covered surrounding these pools. People traveled miles just to be able to lay around the porches, around the pools, in order to seek healing. And there was an urban legend at the time that periodically an angel would fly over the pools and stir the waters. Perhaps that was when the dam opened up and water flowed into the southern pool. But the, the legend was that the first person to get in the waters would receive immediate instantaneous healing whenever that angel flew over. So there was a chance, just a chance, that just maybe I'm going to get the miracle that I have been always dreamed of having. The star player in this story is lying around the pool, and he'd been unable to walk for 38 years. A uh, few years ago, I was listening to Pastor Chris Spradlin in Oklahoma City, and he was uh, telling a story about he and his wife as the early days of dating. His wife, at the time that this uh, story came out, had been disabled for 19 years. Uh, Chris and his wife had been married a number of years. But they were telling a story when they were dating. She had been uh, hit by a drunk driver when she was 16 years old and lost the lower part of her right leg. Now, as Chris tells the story, he says, when Jody and I first started dating, we were having a conversation. She said, Chris, I've just got to be honest with you. It seems like you're pulling away from this relationship, like it doesn't mean very much to you. What's going on? I just kind of bowed my head in shame. Well, I'm just really struggling with what it means to marry someone who's physically handicapped. Silence. She says, you know what? I don't know what makes you think that. For the past 10 years, I was dreaming about my knight in shining armor, and I discovered that he was bald at the age of 22. Chris Spradlin is bald. Then she said, here's what you've got to understand, Chris, is that everybody in the world is handicapped. Everyone should have a blue placard that they hang from the rear view mirror. The only difference between me and everyone else is that you can see my handicap. Everyone else has the ability to disguise theirs. This past week, as Emma was setting up the sermon slides, she asked a really 21st century question. What is the correct terminology today? Do you say handicap or do you say disabled? So I looked it up. Well, we no longer say handicapped person. The word we should use is disabled, but not disabled person, but a person with a disability. And as I thought about it, it makes sense, but it also fits with the sermon that we're looking at this morning. A person is not defined by their disability. A person is more important than their disability. We all have disabilities. I am physically disabled when I compare myself to some other people. Fifteen years ago, on New Year's Day, Eldred and Greg, two guys in my congregation, said, let's go on a hike. Well, Eldred is a captain in our Canadian Air Force, and he was currently flying at the time, so he was in top physical condition. Greg was a tech at the hospital, but he biked to work 20 kilometers every day. 
I was like 50, and I was not in great physical shape. I followed these guys up and over a mountain, and I just about died. They, I was physically disabled compared to Eldred and Greg. We all have some degree of physical disability. We also have degrees of mental disability, and there is spiritual disabilities, mind, soul, and strength. We all are a little bit different. So a person who is disabled, each of us can find ourselves in that situation. So the question really comes, what is your disability? Perhaps you're spiritually blind. You're blinded to the things of God. He's drawing you, he's drawing you, wanting you come closer, but you're just not seeing it. Maybe God has created you with gifts and purposes, but you're living below the level that he's called you to live at. Maybe your disability is a struggle with sin in your life. You're blinded to the sin. Your sin is destroying your life, destroying people that love you and care about you. Perhaps you're spiritually lame. Maybe you've been abused sexually, verbally, physically, mentally. Maybe you've been cheated on and you're hurting. Your heart is broken and you're not happy anymore. Maybe you're spiritually paralyzed. You look back on the first half of your life and you go, man, there's got to be something more to life. Maybe there's spiritual apathy in your life. You haven't felt a fresh touch from God month after month and you're struggling with an addiction and it's paralyzed you. The question is, what is your disability? The people were sitting around this pool of Bethesda and they were all struggling. They were waiting for healing in their life. Now Jesus walks into this pool. He sees the people with disabilities and then he walks straight over to this guy who struggled with this disability for 38 years. In John 5 verse 6 it says, When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he'd be in this condition for a long time, he asked him, Do you want to be well? Do you want to be well? That's the question. 38 years this guy's been struggling this. He hasn't been able to have a regular job. He hasn't been able to take care of himself. He's had people that had to kind of take care of him to wait on him. Now Jesus is asking him, do you want to be well? Because it's possible that he's grown comfortable with his disability. Like Jesus approached this guy, he is approaching you today with the same question. Do you want to get well? But have you grown comfortable with your disability? Perhaps being spiritually apathetic, seeking control in your life. Are you comfortable with the negativity, with the subpar marriage? Things that once broke your heart no longer faze you. Do you want to be well? And you might be saying, well, actually, no. I know that God requires. I know he requires 100%, but right now I'm only willing to give him about 50%. Others of you or could be afraid that you will never be able to change and you struggle with this disability for so long. Do you want to be well? What is your disability? Jesus offers you a chance to change. As he came across to that man and he says, do you want to be well? He says to you today, do you want to be well? In Exodus 15 verse 26, uh, God is saying, for I am the Lord who heals you. And the Lord is uh, Jehovah or Yahweh. I am Yahweh Rapha. I am your healer. God's saying to you today, do you want to be well? Because I am your healer. How big, though, 
is your God. Is God big enough to heal your disability? There was some, uh, a family with some little kids. Kylie, she was in first grade. And dad asked Kylie, how big is God? And Kylie answers, well, he's 300 meters around. In second grade was Cole, and he said, Dad, she doesn't know what she's talking about. God's like 300 times 500 kilometers. And little five-year-old Tifton did not want to be left out. He was very quiet, doesn't say much, but he says, Dad, they're all wrong. He said, God is as big as Ophinity. What's Ophinity? Well, Dad, you know, Buzz Lightyear, Ophinity and beyond. Well, kids really do have an understanding on how big God is. How big is your God? Jesus walks up to this guy. Do you want to be well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Life was all about him. He struggled with his disability for so long, everything revolves around him. Reminds me of a song by country singer Toby Keith back in 2001. He was, uh, in the song, he's lamenting how his girl is always talking about her issues. And his chorus resounds with, I want to talk about me, I want to talk about I, I want to talk about number one, oh my, me, my, what I think, what I like, what I know, what I want, what I see. I like talking about you, 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 you usually, but occasionally I want to talk about me. I want to talk about me. Well, I think there's a little bit in this, this uh, man's reply. He wanted to talk about me. It's my sickness. It's my healing. I need to get well. Nobody will help me get down into the water. His disability had gotten so big that he couldn't see Jesus was standing right in front of him. No words can describe how big God is. In Psalm 33, it says, By the word of the Lord were the heavens made, their starry host by the breath of his mouth. He gathers the waters of the sea into jars, for he spoke and it came to be. He simply used his breath and spoke things into existence. He didn't need a template. He just spoke and it was. He spoke and the heavens were made. He spoke and the earth was made. Animals, exotic animals, sea life, weird animals. God is in control. He owns everything. He's the star of the show. He's the CEO. You and I don't own anything. It is all his. He knows exactly how many hairs we have on our head or used to have on our head. He doesn't worry. He's self-existent. He's all-powerful. There's nothing he cannot do. He's the creator of everything. He's the sustainer of everything. He's the God that lives deep inside of who we are. He is the God who can help us overcome our problems. God is big, bigger than all of your problems. God is bigger than anything you can throw at him. We might be going, I want to talk about me. I want to talk about I. I want to talk about number one. Oh, my, me, my. But pastor, you don't know how bad my pain is. And I have to say, how big is your God? You don't know how bad my divorce was. Well, how big is your God? You don't know about my past. How big is your God? You don't know how long I've struggled with this addiction. How big is your God? 
What is God telling you to do? Jesus looks at this guy by the pool after he winds off a bunch of excuses and Jesus said to him, get up. It says, pick up your mat and walk. And at once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and he walked. Jesus didn't, Jesus didn't ask him. He told him, he said, get up. And because this man obeyed what God was asking him to do, he experienced the miraculous. He was able to walk, he was able to run, he was able to swim, he was able to climb, all because he obeyed what God was asking him to do. Obedience precedes the miraculous. So many of us aren't interested in the obedience thing. We're just interested in the obedience of God. Just take this thing away from me. God, I've got this party coming up in two months and I need to lose about six inches right off here. God, would you put $2,000 in my account? God, would you just take this addiction away from me? A common theme spread throughout the scriptures is obedience precedes the miraculous. God told Moses, take off your sandals. Because he took off his sandals, he led the children of Israel out of slavery. God told Noah, go build yourself an ark. Even though everybody was making fun of him, he obeyed and we're sitting in this room today. He told Naaman, Go dip seven times. And he was a leper. His skin was falling off. He obeyed. He was healed. Jesus told Peter, come to me on the water. Peter obeyed. And the miraculous happened. He walked on the water. He told the blind man, go wash the mud off. Because he obeyed, he was able to see. Our obedience precedes the miraculous. What is God telling you to do? In John 10, 27, it says, My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. That was Jesus speaking. We have to become people who are intently listening to the voice of God. Do we listen for Jesus' voice? What is he saying to you? What is he asking you to do? Follow him, no matter how hard, no matter how tough. Follow him where he is asking you to go. And you will see the miraculous in your life. What is God telling you to do? Not asking, what is he telling you to do? Is he telling you to go to someone and ask for forgiveness or to give forgiveness? Is he telling you to push the plate away? Is he telling you to tithe? Is he telling you to tear up your credit cards? Is he telling you to walk away from your addiction? Is he telling you to spend some time with him? Is he telling you to spend some time with your kids? Is he telling you to invest in your marriage and be authentic and real and absolutely truthful? Is he telling you to get involved in, in ministry? What is God telling you to do? Begin to do what God is telling you to do and see the miraculous explode in your life. In our series called Miracles, some want to hear cool miracle stories. Others are in desperate need of a miracle. We're struggling, perhaps, with a disability in our life. And perhaps you've been struggling for years. And you're ready to walk away from it. Jesus can change you in the midst of your struggle. God is bigger than your problems. He is the creator. He loves you and he cares about you. Be obedient and do what he is telling you to do. No more choices, no more options. Yes, God, no matter what it is, I will follow you. Whatever it is, I will be obedient. It is then that you're going to see the miraculous begin to explode in your life. 
Do you really want to get well? Because Jesus can heal you no matter what you're dealing with. Maybe you're a Christ follower, but you're struggling right now. You're struggling with intimacy with him. Maybe you're struggling with being a good parent, uh, struggling with addictions or struggling with control. Maybe you're struggling with lust. Maybe you're struggling with honesty or struggling with self-esteem. You desperately need a fresh touch from God. If that's you, I want to pray for you. And let me pray for you right now. Father, I pray that you would just change us and walk with us through this time. I come to you right now and pray for a miracle. We have people that are hurting, people that are struggling, people that are not living for you. And I ask that you would bring healing and the miraculous into their lives. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Maybe you don't have a relationship with God. Maybe you don't have a relationship with Jesus. You've been checking this whole God thing out and you're not exactly sure what it means, but you know that you need something new in your life. Well, let me tell you that over 2,000 years ago, Jesus Christ came to this earth and he came for you. He came to take away your sin. He came to take away your pain. He's standing before you today and he's saying, give me your addiction. Give me your struggle. Give me your marriage. Give me the sin in your life. Give me the secrets in your life. I want it all. He came to take it all upon himself. And he stumbled to the cross where he died a horrific death for you and for me. Three days later, he rose again. And he's standing before you today with his arms open wide saying, I want to make you new. I want to set you free. I want to give you joy. I want to give you peace. Maybe you say, yes, that's me. I want to be new. I want to be changed. Give your life to Jesus. We're going to continue in communion. And if you're a follower of Jesus, if you've just agreed to Jesus to follow him, we encourage you to gather together and to take the elements of bread and the cup and participate with us. I'm going to show a video right now to prepare us for communion, and then we'll come together and uh, celebrate communion. How do I know? I know because I was restless. How do I know? Because I was wild. Because I was addicted. I was lost. Because I was empty. I know because I was living behind a mask. How do I know Jesus is alive? Because he lives in me. Jesus did what no one else could do for me. He took the punishment for my failures, my wrong decisions, my selfishness, my pride, and my sin. He was beaten. He was mocked. He was tortured. Crucified. And buried for me. But on the third day, he did exactly what he said he would do. Jesus rose up and walked right out of the tomb. And in the summer of 1985, July of 2007, February 2005, June 2003, and in August 1995, he walked into my life. 
and I've never been the same since. Now I am truly living. Now I am sober. I am at peace. I am fulfilled. Now I am free. Now I'm found. My God. My Savior. My best friend. My Lord. My Jesus. Is alive. The tomb may be empty, but my heart is full. Communion. Why do we do this? Well, it's a way to remember, to remember what Jesus did for us. There is no magic. Some groups teach that the bread becomes Jesus. Others teach that a blessing of grace is imparted when we eat this bread. But I see this as a simple way that we pause and we remember Jesus and what he did for us. On that first Easter Sunday, Two men were walking to Emmaus, and when they stopped for supper, it says that they broke bread and discovered Jesus. Communion shows us Jesus. When Jesus started communion, or koinonia is what it's known in the Greek, it means fellowship, it was at the Passover meal the night before he died. Now, Passover is the biblical holiday celebrated by Jewish people around the world each spring, which commemorates their deliverance from Egyptian bondage by the hand of God through Moses. During the ceremonial meal, they will assign four cups of wine to each of the four parts of the Passover story. Two cups come before the meal and two cups after the meal. Now, we find Jesus, Messiah, in the Passover. Between the first cup and the second cup, there is a pouch on the table called the matzah tosh that contains three layers of matzah, which is unleavened bread. During this time, the father removes the middle layer of unleavened bread. He breaks it in half. Half gets put back into the original pouch, and the other half is wrapped in a white cloth and gets hidden. This hidden piece is called the afikamen. The Greek meaning of afikamen is that which comes after. It's not eaten now, it's hidden until after the main meal. Eventually, the delicious Passover meal is served, and then dessert comes last, and the ophikamen is supposed to be eaten for dessert. But where is it? It's buried, it's hidden, so the children are called upon to find the ophikamen. It's returned to the father, and he gives a reward for it, he redeems it, he buys it back. The ophikamen is then broken into smaller pieces, and each family member eats it. This is a beautiful picture of Messiah Yeshua. Yeshua is Jesus' name in Hebrew, and it is uh, translated Joshua. The Messiah's sinless body was broken in death, wrapped in a cloth, hidden as in a burial, then brought back alive again, resurrected by the power of God. He is still found by children like us who actively search and look for him. Today, the afikumen is eaten by Jewish families as a remembrance of the Passover lamb, which no longer is sacrificed since the destruction of the temple in Jerusalem in 70 AD. 
so too believers in the Messiah also eat unleavened bread as a remembrance of our Passover lamb. John the Baptist pointed to Yeshua and declared, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The Apostle Paul also called Jesus our Passover lamb. When Yeshua, Jesus, celebrated Passover with his disciples in the upper room, he broke the unleavened bread after supper and distributed it to his disciples, saying, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you, do this in remembrance of me. When Yeshua celebrated his last Passover with his Jewish disciples, he gave them matzah as the symbol of his body. And matzah is unleavened, it is striped, and it is pierced. And that is a very interesting as uh, the prophet Isaiah describes the Messiah in the same way. But he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities, the chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. Paul tells us that the Lord Jesus on the night he was betrayed took bread. When he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Well, let's take the bread and let's thank the Lord for what he's done for us. Father, thank you. Thank you that you sent Jesus to this earth, that your son came to die for us. And they died this horrific death, and more importantly, he took our sin upon himself. Thank you, Jesus, that you died for us. And we pray as we take this bread, we would remember what you did and how that impacts our life today. Thank you, in Jesus' name, amen. This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's remember him together. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. The cup was grape was wine, grape juice. It reminds us of the blood of the covenant. Let's thank Jesus for the blood. Jesus, we do thank you that you died for us, that you shed your blood, that as a sacrifice in the Old Testament shed blood, so too your blood was shed, showing us that you died for us. We thank you for all that that means, that that takes our sin away. We thank you and we bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Jesus said, this cup is the new covenant and my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. Let's remember him together. Now, beautiful verse that Paul says, for whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. We talk about the death, but he is coming again because he is alive. He is risen and he is coming again. And it could be today. It could be tonight. We need to be ready. We need to be prepared. Well, I pray that you've had a, a great uh, service, a chance to communion together. Even though we're not uh, in the same room, we have the same Holy Spirit and we celebrate together. May you have a blessed week and we look forward to seeing you again next weekend. Thank you for sharing this time together.
Have you begun to realize your disability? Jesus is asking you today, do you want to be well? Remember, obedience precedes the miraculous. So what is God telling you to do? When you begin to do what God is telling you to do, you will begin to see the miraculous explode in your life. Next week, we're going to look at miracles number three, which is the story of Lazarus found in John chapter 11. Let me leave you with an encouragement for the week found in the Apostle Paul's letter to the Colossian church. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Amen. Have a blessed week.